0: Welcome to it. It is an absolute pleasure to have you here today, Marty. How are you? Now, see, he already doesn't want to talk. He already doesn't want to talk. To, to the listener out there, he's in a very bad mood today. I'm not
1: quite sure why, but uh, he, he's in a very bad yeah. mood. Yeah. If, if middle-aged men... No, I won't. I won't use the phrase I'm about to use because that's sexist. But yeah, I'm I'm a grumpy old man today. Um, but it's good to see you two guys um, looking young and fresh-faced and and healthy, which is more than can be said for myself. Yeah, I mean that's an amazing shine you've got off of the top of your eight head, on it. It's too big to be a forehead. But <laughs> I'm just being rude now, nasty. I told you, it's I'm just in a mean that... mood. I'm sorry, but it's anyway, hi just... guys.
0: It's just the view from my new office. That's all it is. That, that's, all, that's all it is. It's, it's just that.
1: Oh, for the listener, Johnny has um, out of his window. He's obviously moved to uh, Wuhan because he's got the Wuhan level four virological research lab as, as, as a backdrop there, um, just to explain to the listener great it business did, opportunity
0: oddly enough the the yeah the uh, the real estate was was surprisingly inexpensive because of some reason I'm not, I'm not quite sure why uh but i was i was offered this property at a uh at a premium deal have you had
1: both your vaccinations
0: no, uh, I I can't say that I have, uh, and we're we're going to talk about a lot of that stuff today. I've got a lot from the uh, the G7 summit we're going to get to. I've got Boris Johnson, of course. I got him on audio. We've got a lot of audio to get to today. I got Gordon Brown. He's resurfaced, and of course, your favorite, the war criminal Tony Blair. Uh, we've got him as yeah,
1: well. Yeah, yes, he 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 hasn't actually got pointy teeth, but it just it's just something about them that makes him look like he's got pointy teeth. Who is that? uh u.s defense secretary that also was always depicted in in cartoons uh and and satire with pointy teeth i'm i'm trying to think of who that was i can't think of it off the top of my head no nor can i but um anyway yeah that's tony Blair. he's got
0: pointy teeth like a bat before i forget bruce how are you healthy and alive tired it looks
2: like Uh, a little bit um i actually don't feel tired Though I may look it, I don't think I slept much last night.
0: It's funny because I didn't sleep much the night before, and I actually got some sleep last night, and uh, I I got myself caught up. You can tell I look a little bit more composed today as opposed to yesterday. I mean, yesterday I was in really a a bad way. But uh, anyway, I got a lot that I got lined up today for us to talk about. So let's start with the G7, right? The G7 just met. Now, I I wanted to take a step back a little bit, uh, and I wanted to go back to November of 2020, Now, what is significant about November of 2020 and what does that have to do with the G7 that just happened? Well, it goes to a large point or it goes to a larger point that I'm about to make. Boris Johnson, who you're going to hear in just just a moment, met with Bill Gates back in November of 2020. Well, what did he meet with him about? To discuss implementing a global vaccine program. Hmm. Boris Johnson intends to use Britain's pres presidency of the G7 in 2021 to implement the Gates Foundation's global approach to health security, health security, Mm. health security. I'm assuming that Mm. at this point, at this point, so we're looking at November of 2020. At this point, vaccine passports were considered a conspiracy theory. So no one was even thinking about those at the time. Uh, And if you were talking about those, the mainstream media called you a kook, a tinfoil hat wearer, a nut you didn't know what you were talking about nobody wants those things why on earth would we uh, would we put those forth we we have no intentions of doing such a thing which of course the uk government was running around for months after that meeting saying no we have no intentions on implementing a vaccine passport none whatsoever that means you're going to get one to be fair he did have his
1: fingers crossed at the time i'll i'll take your word on that yeah <laughs> and um well it's that story i've told you before about the woman who finds the injured snake by the side of the road in the burning sun and takes the snake home and nurses it back to health and then the snake bites her and she says but i've, I've just i'm gonna die now and you've i've just nursed you back to health and the snake says well you knew I was a snake when you picked me up and we all knew that boris johnson you know he, he only has a, a fleeting relationship with the truth and we knew he was a liar But we still voted for him because he was apparently our only chance for Brexit to happen. So all the other parties that were up for election, when I say all the other, I mean Labour and the, the Liberal Democrats, their leadership had done such a good job at making them unelectable that the only choice we were left with was Johnson. And I'm, I am really tinfoil hat wearing now. But I'm beginning to think that that was all deliberate because Johnson was the one that was bought into the World Economic Forum, the Davos Group, the whole Bilderberg, uh, build back better, build back broader now, mm. um, better and broader plan. Yeah. So it, you know, how how can parties, political parties, that you know fiercely contest every election we've ever had in this country, how can they let their voters just slip away from them? You saw yourself uh, and you've commented on it in the past, staunch Labour voters wound up voting for the Tories because they wanted Brexit to happen. And uh, people were really on on the horns of a dilemma as to which way they were going to vote, because they felt as though they were being traitors to their class. And johnson has reaped the benefits of that um dichotomy indeed he has and i
0: uh, i'm inclined to agree with you on that yes as far as brexit goes and as far as uh, the populist movement in the uk i think it was a bait and switch you know they they did a rope-a-dope on you they had somebody in there that looked like a heavy hitter and uh when it came time to uh to deliver you know he tucked tail and ran and uh he he sided up with well quite frankly the uh how, how does dear old Klaus put it on the wrong side of history? Yeah, he, he sided with the wrong side. And you know now he's going to go down as a disgrace, Boris Johnson. Now, the, and I've said it here before, the man had the potential, and this is a, no word of a lie. The man had the potential to become the next Winston Churchill. He could have stood tall. He could have. Now, I know we're talking about Boris Johnson here, and I mean, you've said before, how do you know when Boris Johnson's lying? His lips are moving. Okay. That's fair. But that doesn't excuse the fact that he could have stood tall
1: against it. He could have, but he didn't. And I think he didn't because he was part of it from the very outset, right from the beginning. It's been this gradual progression towards him being prime minister of the UK. Uh, For a man who makes as many mistakes publicly as Boris has done, for him to still wind up in that top job it makes you wonder how the system really works and um it works through money it's it's filthy lucre that drives politics and you've got the situation in the, in the US with your lobbyists and that whole super corrupt um way of getting things done and here in the UK we've we've sort of kept a lid on the levels of corruption um but now I'm getting older and much, much more cynical. I'm starting to believe it was always there. We would just we just did a better job of covering it up.
0: I think that corruption, as you're speaking about, I think it goes back to... Uh, and I know that this kind of thing supposedly doesn't really happen anymore. I mean, that's kind of how things used to be, but... In a way, they still actually exist. And if you go back to the private clubs, you know, like the dinner clubs and things that you used to belong to, you, your family would be brought up. Of course, you, I mean, we're, we're not talking about like nobility. We're talking about modern times. Your family would uh, put you through the university. You would go to that university. You would belong to this private dinner club that would meet there for drinks and dinner every night, you know, formal dress, all the rest of it. You would get to know the people, shake the hands that would also belong to the clubs, would also know your family, blah, blah, blah. Gone to the same universities and you get into the parties and you work your way up from there. Uh is that kind of what you're referring to?
1: Yeah, the uh, the old boy network. Uh, yeah, as, that's as it. Call it. Yeah. Yeah, so the old school tie, you know, um there's a saying about the playing fields of Eton, I can't remember it now, but Boris went to Eton. He's an old Etonian. Um the oldest public school in the in the UK and most famous. And uh yeah, he he idolizes Winston. He idolizes Winston Churchill, and he's written books on him. And it's just a shame that he is going to end up as a disgraced politician and possibly an inmate of some high-security prison somewhere when the truth finally gets a chance to to see the light of day. So, um, yeah, I've nothing more to say on the man at the moment other than the fact that he's currently in Cornwall now, Cornwall is the southernmost county of the United Kingdom. Beautiful scenery. It's all based on a large lump of granite. There were volcanoes there, and it's it's hilly. It's picturesque. And they make some beautiful ice cream. Cornish ice cream is the best vanilla ice cream in the entire world. I will have no uh, argument yeah. on that. Yeah, well, yeah. We may have to, we may have now, to come to, to Fisty Italian gelato? Uh, come on. Oh, no, no, no way. It just doesn't compare. German ice cream. This is some of the best ice cream I've ever tasted over here. Yeah, but no, sorry. Cornish ice cream is still the best. And of course, they're clotted cream. And there's this rivalry between Devon and Cornwall about the cream tea, which is a scone or scone, depending on your um, choice of pronunciation. And whether the cream goes on first or the jam goes on first. And there's this argument between Devon and Cornwall. All I'm hoping is, in the next few days, that um, the G7 um, attendees eat their own body weight in ice cream and cream teas and all die of massive strokes. That's what I would like to see. There was a picture earlier on, I think you posted it, and um, in the bottom half, oh, maybe it was Facebook, I don't know, but there's this... Array of people who are are there to attend. What the hell was Tony Blair doing there? He's he's a has been. He's not a member of Parliament anymore. Why is he still so involved in all the important elements of of running a country and um, international relationships? The man should be in jail. So anyway, sorry. I just had that little tirade. I knew I wanted to get the thing about cream teas and and Cornish ice cream. I've done that now, so I'll let I'll let you two have a go.
0: You know, I, I think a mutual friend of ours would uh would agree that uh Cornwall is the most beautiful uh place in all of England.
1: Yeah, but then again, he would say the whole world because he is scared of flying. And that's um, true. Yeah, Corn- yeah. Cornwall true. is just about the furthest place that he can get within the country from his home uh without going to Scotland.
0: Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, there is that point. All right. So anyway, getting back to uh, the G7, I want to kind of stick with this here because, yeah, I agree with you. What the hell's Tony Blair doing there? What the hell's Gordon Brown doing there? Again, has been. What's he doing there? He'll tell you why he's at the G7 here in just a minute. But I want to drop back to this. Gates has disappeared from the world stage, right? Where's Bill Gates? That's what I want to know. Where's Bill Gates? Where's Hunter Biden? Those I've are the two things I want to know. In the
1: trunk of my car,
0: <laughs> you got it. You are in a bad mood today, aren't you? He's sitting there with his arms all crossed, just <laughs> shaking his head.
1: He's, not, he's lying, lying. No, you in the you, not me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I am sitting here with my arms all crossed. That that's body language wise. That's that's a defensive um, and unopen, um, yep. closed off person. Yeah. Indication. However, I've only sat like this because I've got my feet up. Uh, and my arthritis is killing me. And uh, I've just got comfortable. So, um, no. Fair point. OK. Yeah. Um,
0: so Boris Johnson. About? No, you're fine. Boris Johnson said that uh, he essentially and I'm just I'm paraphrasing this based on what the man said. Uh, it, it's it seems to me like he was essentially going to carry the message for Bill Gates at the G7 and essentially uh, carry out whatever he said was going to uh, uh, whatever he said he was um uh, planning. Okay, fine. Well, Boris Johnson met with Bill Gates prior to uh, this this meeting we're sitting here talking about. Right when the outbreak happened of COVID, he was meeting with Bill Gates then, talking about vaccines. Johnson said. That the opportunity at the now he said this back in November, the opportunity the G7 presidency in 2021 affords Britain affords Britain will allow the nation to spearhead the global health plan developed by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation in partnership with the Wellcome Trust. Okay, so the plan that he's speaking of, the, uh, the the global health plan that he's talking about was unveiled by Gates at the UN in September of 2020, the month before that where he called for an overhauling of big pharma and wanted their capacity to manufacture vaccines increased drastically. He wanted new treatments, new vaccines, all the rest of it. And Johnson called the effort a new era of I'm quoting here, a new era of collaboration for problem solving and pandemic preparedness, adding that it will be a truly global endeavor. So when you're hearing Boris Johnson talk at the G7 this year, you're not hearing Boris Johnson. You're hearing Bill Gates. Horace Johnson's bought and paid for. He's sold out to this entire agenda. He's doing what he's told. As Marty said, yes, he was elected, but he was selected to be put into that place to be elected. So he's not doing this uh, of his own accord. i would be honest with you, I don't think that he has a uh, uh, has the ability to to think this critically at this point. Now it's not to say that he's unintelligent. Uh, I think that he's uh, I think that he's very intelligent. He knows how to play politics. I'll give him that. But as far as all this goes, as far as this uh, this pandemic stuff goes, and and everything with with COVID, the man's in way over his head. All these world leaders are way in over their head, quite frankly, because they're all vi- they're all every single one of them are all in violation of the Nuremberg Code, and we'll go over that today too. So I want to get to a clip here of Johnson. This is Boris Johnson who has sat down with the Canadian Broadcasting Company. Uh, And this goes on for like 10 minutes, but I'm only gonna play like a minute of it here, uh, because that's all you really need to hear uh, that he talks about. So I I want to get to this clip. And he's talking about their plans for what they're going to be uh, implementing as far as these uh, these vaccine initiatives,
3: Prime Minister Johnson. Thank you for making the time. Appreciate it very much, sir. My pleasure. Um, the United Kingdom has donated to the Covax initiative. Uh, you say that you plan to yourself donate more vaccine when you have it. Uh, I, I wonder when you intend to do that, and and will that be a conversation at the G seven when richer nations should start uh, donating more of their vaccine surplus?
4: You bet, and we want to, well, we want to do some more. Uh, bilaterally, and don't forget, we've ordered about 580 million doses of a uh, vaccine. Just uh, you know, uh, uh, last year in the in the in the uh, in the spring of last year, we we put in contracts, which will mean that we get obviously large quantities of of surplus vaccine that we'll want to be uh, using by the end of the of the year around the world. But uh, but don't forget that what the UK has already done is. Uh, we worked with AstraZeneca uh, to ensure that they uh, sell their vaccine, they distribute their vaccine at cost Uh around the world. So that means it's by far the cheapest option. It's the the option that's easiest to use around the world. And I think we've put about a billion dollars into into supporting COVAX uh, ourselves. But what we want from the G7 is an an agreement to to go further. And so we'll be looking uh, to, to, I know that uh, President Biden, I know that uh, Prime Minister Trudeau is also very uh, keen on this, as well as Angela Merkel and uh, Emmanuel Macron. uh, And we'll be looking to to come up with some big numbers because uh, after all, uh, nobody is safe until everybody is safe. And uh, what we want the G7 to try to agree is that, uh, Instead of vaccinating the whole world by 2024 or 2025, which is the current, you know, what we'd achieve on the current timetable, uh, we need to get this done by the end of, of next year, by,
1: by 2022.
0: Okay. You, you- 2022. They need to get it
1: done. Yeah, they need to get it done by the end of next year, 2022, because they are going to be found out and they are going to be no longer able to persuade people to put this poison into themselves before then, so they want to get it done as fast as possible, which is why everything is being driven in that direction. All of the, and look at um, look
0: at his face. Look yeah. at his face. Does he look? Does he look nervous I've to you? I'm
1: trying I don't think- not to look at his face because I, <laughs> I don't want my blood pressure to go up. You don't want your blood pressure to go up? No, no, I don't want my blood pressure to go up. But you were about
0: to say something and then you... I said, look at his face. I said, I know a, a nervous face when I see one and that man's nervous. Look at him.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and so he should be. You know, that that's that's not the face of someone who has just got happily married for the third or maybe fourth time. I'm not quite certain how many times he's been married. Um, he, as I've said before, he's a prolific pram filler. He has more offspring than um, your average frog. So, uh, and by that I don't mean a French person. No offense. I mean the amphibian. Um, Let's <laughs> hit with the French. You know, did you see the? Uh, did you see the Macron slap? Yeah, yeah, but th- th- it it was. Um, oh, I just wish it had been me. I, th- I just wish that because it wouldn't have it wouldn't have been so ineffectual. I was going to say, uh, is
0: that? A, I asked you the question. Was that like a normal? And this is no disrespect to our French listeners. I know we have. French listeners, merci beaucoup. But, I mean, this, uh, across the um, face...
1: Yeah, look, it served its purpose. It wasn't an an extremely egregious, aggressive assault. It was a slap. It was a challenge. It was... It's all it had to be. Just for one person to, to, to reach out and, uh, and do that uh, proves a point. It didn't have to be a powerful punch anything that would cause physical damage or break the skin, it it was enough. And I'm just so glad that someone had the boule to do it. It was very ceremonial.
0: It was, yeah. yeah. Uh, And the individual that uh, that carried out that deed uh,
1: got four months in jail uh, as of today. I hope that the other inmates in the Bastille or wherever, wherever they've stuck him, uh, treat him like a hero. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay. So uh, again, uh, you're
0: hearing Boris Johnson talk about how they want to vaccinate the world by 2022. Their target was 2025. Uh, as you heard him say, Uh, we knew that their target was 2025 and Bruce and I have kind of been looking at, um, uh, looking at how the elite are behaving, looking at how a lot of these governments are behaving. And uh, Klaus Schwab in particular, well, as far as we can tell, he's uh, he's one of the, uh, the ring leaders behind the scene, not the only one, but uh, he's been tasked with certain things. And he even seems to be on his back heels. So uh, they're they're a little bit nervous. You look at Boris Johnson. I know you as the listener, you can't see what he looks like, but all the other, you know, the other two guys here saw him, and that man's nervous. Now, Gordon Brown, what's Gordon Brown? doing at the G7. Well, I'm not going to tell you what Gordon Brown's doing at the G7. He's going to tell you. Listen to
4: this. And on Friday at the G7, we will decide effectively who lives and who dies, who is to be vaccinated and is therefore safe and who is not to be vaccinated and therefore is at risk.
0: Arrogant much. They're going to decide who lives and and who dies. Uh, Now, my question to him uh, in that regard, I mean, that's a That's a pretty blatant statement. My question to him in that regard is what about the people that can't for medical reasons, what what about the people that cannot take that? You know, I, these these people are, uh, and, and this uh, I think all this goes to a, a larger point anyway. None of these people, none of them. And I, I know that I am I seem like I'm repeating myself here, but none of them are talking about alternative methods of treatment. You cannot talk about alternative methods of treatment because there cannot be alternative methods of treatment if you're to have a vaccine. If there are alternative methods of treatment, well, then emergency authorization for a vaccine is unnecessary.
1: There are, of course, as we know, alternative treatments and pretreatments to ensure that you've got a higher Im- immune response to viral infection but they're not talking about those because they want everyone to have this gene therapy thrust into their veins and the more they say it the more they push it the more obvious it becomes or should become to people that this is a diabolical plan there's something else that's happening here in the uk at the moment and you remember quite some time ago when we first talked about Brexit um before COVID and I mentioned how what we don't want are US big pharma corporations and private medical health insurance corporations getting to grips with the NHS. Now, the NHS has, has kind of announced and it's it's sort of like it's gone, we're gonna give you details to the to the Americans. Uh you can you can um you know, you can opt out if you want to. That's what they're about to do. The NHS is about to sell millions of people's data to those very organisations that I spoke about. I think and, chief among
0: them. Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt, but just to, for for clarification, I think chief among them is a company called McMillan. I believe that's big over there in the UK as well. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, yeah. And I'm um, I've opted out. And even though this this data is going to be anonymous, it won't have the patient's name on it, but it will say this person requires this drug and this drug and has had these conditions. And what it will do, that you know, I've worked for many, many different companies and what those companies use data for uh, is to make more money. And And that's exactly why they want this data. So they know which drugs they can hike the price up of which conditions they need to preclude from any medical healthcare insurance so that people in the UK, when we're forced to have it, are not covered for those expensive to treat conditions. So all of our British listeners, I strongly advise you to go to your GP, ask for the form that you have to fill in to opt out and say you do not want your details, your data sold to anyone. Sorry, Johnny, carry on. I just wanted to get that out while I remembered it.
0: No, no, you're you're perfectly fine. Uh, I wanted to get to the uh, the next clip here of, uh, uh, of Tony Blair. Now, this is him sitting down on a newscast uh, the other day. Now, he's come out and he said, uh, it's clear the only way back to freedom is... Uh, he's saying the same thing, basically, as all the rest of them are saying. Uh, the only way back to freedom is through vaccination. Uh, that, that's what he's saying. But on this newscast, when he's sitting down, he's talking about... Putting forth this uh, this global vaccination program, this this world basically it all boils down to a world ID. You know, kind of what the the EU is proposing with this digital wallet garbage that they're talking about testing next year. They've the EU has passed the EU pa- or excuse me the EU passport that they can't even get that through the COVID passports. They are now in place. They say that they will only be in place until next year. We'll see about that. Yeah, that might be true it will only be in place till next year, at which time they will begin the test runs for the EU digital wallet. They say that's when it's going to start will be next year. So you're getting something now to carry you through to the next thing because you won't stand up to this thing. Of course, the people that do stand up, they're ignored, right? The ones that are out there in the streets protesting, they're ignored. But let's get to uh, uh, Tony Blair uh, sitting down on a uh, on a newscast, and this is what he had to say about uh, vaccine passports. The
5: trouble is, this does create, does it not, a two tier society between the vaccinated and the unvaccinated? Looking at your own paper says that if you haven't been vaccinated, you won't be able to go to nightclubs and theaters and big sporting events and many other places. So you will be discriminated against. Yeah, but I think you know the, the, the word discrimination has got a very loaded meaning mm. in the in the in the English language now. But really, when it comes to risk management, it's all always- about discrimination. So the reason we vaccinate elderly people first is they're more at risk. Um, The reason why we, we ensure that people are vaccinated is because it then reduces the risk of transmission, not merely of you getting ill yourself, but of you passing on the disease. So I think since everybody's going to be able to get the vaccination other than those, as I say, who for medical reasons can't, then I, I think it really is important that people get encouraged to, to, to get vaccinated. And we also make suggestions as to how we can make sure you get proper proof of vaccination. I mean, actually, the NHS X people have done a good job in the NHS app, but we need to make that mm. interoperable with other systems so uh-huh. that you can use this as proof of vaccination sure. throughout the world. I, I, right. I use the word discrimination advisedly because we know that people from ethnic minorities are less likely to be vaccinated. It's a figure saying among the over fifties there is on average twenty five percent less vaccine take up among black people than white people. Now that is discrimination. If you're gonna put it but, but into the, the answer to that, Andrew, is is to encourage people from that community to get vaccinated. And one other thing I think is very important, particularly in the context of the call to vaccinate the world by the end of twenty Mm, But but might this not have exactly the opposite effect? I mean, there's a very interesting sage paper about the hostility to government generally and the suspicion of government generally in these Uh groups. It says, and I'm quoting, that because of historical issues and contemporary perceptions of institutional racism, it's much harder to persuade these groups to take the vaccine. And telling them they have to or they're going to be kept out of sporting events and many other places is simply going to make them feel angrier, not less. I'm not sure about that. I I really Uh, think if you explain the facts
1: to people... Wow. I can see the, the, the value of getting vaccinated. Your thoughts, Mark? What Martin? Tony Blair isn't sure of, I couldn't give a fat rat's backside about. But the reason that was stated by Andrew Marr, the interviewer, uh, about why BAME people in the UK are not taking up the vaccine is absolutely spot on. They have got this complete mistrust of government. And it's good that they've got it because they've kind of been proven right. Um, a lot of the the um, the protests and and the activism of organisations like BLM is based on that mistrust and this this idea that there is institutional racism. Uh, just to but be clear on but that, but they're but they're wrong. They're 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 wrong. They're, just just to be clear on that. We're not a racist that. country. No,
0: you're not. No, I, I agree with that part of it, but. To that point, they're talking about groups like BLM. They're talking about institutional racism. You're not a racist country, but the elites are funding that movement to have it turn back around and keep the keep the attention and the, the anger off of them. So they're turning the, their populace against each other to keep them out of the way.
1: There so, we go. Well, that's what we've got. We've got the useful idiots from both sides, the far correct. right and the, but the far left and the um and the. And BLM, I don't know where they fit in because they're, well, would you they're say, not.
0: Would you say, and, and this is just this is just me asking a question. Would you say that, and quite frankly, the way that they behave and the way that they champion it, it's hard to to disagree with it. But would you say that the institutional racism is among the elite ranks themselves?
1: Well, if you look at the elite that we're talking about, and you look at people like Sadiq Khan, who's clearly on the side of the elite, despite his um outward appearance in within you know his job as Uh mayor of london i would say that you've got people like modi in india who Uh is is also on side you've got ping in china none of these people that i'm mentioning right now are caucasian so the elite doesn't really care what color you are actually it just cares that if you're not one of them that you toe the line and do as they they demand so i don't know yes over a few generations here in the uk the aristocracy and and the you know the extremely rich have got if they're caucasian have got an inbuilt distrust of other races because um they've in most cases and i'm i'm actually making blm's argument for them here colonialism has has robbed other countries of their their mineral wealth and to some extent their people so But it's been the people who have benefited from that are the aristocracy, the upper class, the ultra-rich, not your average man in the street. So to some extent, I would say, yes, you're right that there is an element of institutionalized racism amongst the aristocracy and and the the British upper class. But at the same time, the real elite, these 3,000 approximately people that we've talked about before – they don't care what color you are, as long as you do what you're told. I couldn't agree with that more.
0: Uh, you're you're right, uh, but uh, in my humble opinion, uh, this this talk of all this divisive, you know, uh, politics and, and and racial division and all the rest of it that they've been pushing for the last 18 months. Usually, when you start looking around as to who's funding these things and who's pushing these agendas, usually you find out that those are the types of people that usually have the uh, the ill intent behind them. I make the argument that it's not our guilt for example you know we're we're pushed around all day uh, psychologically if you will or, and politically that we should feel guilty over something same thing if you if you take uh, the germans and and what happened during the second world war they're brought up to to feel guilty about what happened during the second world war well they didn't do it you know the current generation they didn't do it i mean there's very few left during that time period that actually understood what what even happened uh that that saw it firsthand so we're, we're made to feel guilty, and the elite know that we have no ill intent towards our fellow neighbor or our fellow man, whatever, however you want to put it. But yet they use that guilt. They guilt trip us. And it's not our guilt, I would argue. It's not our, uh, our
1: institutional racism. I would argue it's theirs. But we're kind of getting away from the point. What we had there was the former Labour Prime Minister, Tony Blair, spouting exactly the same message. As Boris Johnson was mm-hmm. giving on a Canadian news show. And Blair was never a Labour man. He, he's never a socialist. He is the archetypal champagne socialist. He used the Labour Party as a vehicle to further his own interests. Champagne and, socialist. Never heard that before. Yeah. You've I studied never heard social- that? No, I've studied socialism from, from right no, and you, left, and you, I've never you heard of champagne. So at all these absolute cockwombles, like Eddie Izzard, for instance. Okay. All right. Uh, Good example. Yeah. There, there they are. They are as, as rich as Crassus, and they are spouting a left wing virtue signaling message whilst living a champagne lifestyle. And Tony Blair has epitomized that and uh, he was never a real labor politician he was never about the people he was about tony blair and you know the man is a scumbag there's there's no polite way of saying there's lots of better ways of describing him but we're a family friendly show uh, thank you for
0: uh... For uh, throwing the lasso around me and dragging me back to the uh, you know the thing the uh, the topic at hand, so I didn't drift too far. I appreciate that because I have a tendency to you know kind of drift off.
1: You can be forgiven for that because I was doing the same thing m- myself. But it's because all of these topics and all of these individuals are connected in some way. You've got a complete lattice work of of corruption connections cronyism that's going on at the moment so you start talking about one individual and before you know it you talked about another four or five um all on the same topic at slightly different angles because they are they're all saying the same thing and they're all working towards the same goals and those goals do not have my best interest your best interest or the common man, woman, or child's best interest at heart, they've only got their goals and that's all they're worried about i have to ask the question at this point because i,
0: I want to get into this now do you think that uh, because you've got freedom day coming up june 21st is your uh day to uh to open up and you've got uh, pub owners all across the uk that are saying that if the government delays they're going to open the the pubs are saying they've all banded together to said we're going to open and if you delay it we're all going to stay open anyway we're going to file a class action lawsuit and we're going to sue you
1: it's you not th- just the pubs
0: is Sorry, it not just go the pubs? On, the no, no, no. No. no, no, no. Continue. Continue. Is it not just the pubs? Because um, I, I just
1: heard about the pubs. Andrew Lloyd Webber, uh, who owns uh, yes. several theaters the in theaters. the West End, of London, yeah. has said if there's any further restrictions and Freedom Day, oh, what a terrible piece of obvious spin to call it Freedom Day. I mean, who the hell do they think they are? Lloyd Webber has said that he will uh, open his theaters anyway. And if they don't like it, they can come and arrest him. And, you know, what I really hope they do. Yeah. Um, I hope they do arrest him and, and I hope he sues the crap out of them. But again, the legal system is run by the government. It's also run by the elite. So what chance have we got? Yeah, exactly. We don't stand a chance mm. at the moment. And, and listen at me. I'm a man who spent most of his life in the armed forces and and i'm a a real patriot for the united kingdom not just england in fact not even england united kingdom i think of myself as british and i'm a patriot but the only way i can see out of this is anarchy we need to tear it down we need to we need to tear down the corrupt part of of the establishment and and that's what these hats like blm and antifa are crying for as well and i don't want to be on the same page as those lunatics so we need someone to step up someone to if ever if ever there was a time uh, for king arthur to pull excalibur out and come and rescue the country it's now I said it before. I'll say it again. We're all in this together. And
0: I don't mean in the manners of the United Nations either. But my original question to you was, June 21st is coming up. Are we all going to die if we open up? Is the UK, the, the UK? if they open up on June 21st. Is everybody going to die? Is it too soon? Because they're talking this India variant third wave, blah, blah, blah. They've thrown Mexico into the uh, into the variant show now. Me- there's a Mexican strain that's all across Europe and no one knows how it got here and it's here and, and, and it's just popped up everywhere. And yeah.
1: In about three weeks after Freedom Day, uh, once all of the super spreader events, as they will be called, have had a chance to um to to propagate and, and spread the virus further. Um, there will be a um a moment like in the story of the Emperor's New Clothes when suddenly there aren't thousands and thousands of cases and hospitals are not inundated, it will be the metaphorical equivalent of someone going, oh, the Emperor's butt naked. And and that will be the point at which everyone realises what an absolute con trick our government has pulled on us. And and hopefully there'll be some action from that point onwards. But, uh, and I don't want to go on, because so I want to give Bruce a chance to talk, and yourself. You talked earlier, we before we came on air, we were talking about how companies, when they've had a bit of bad press, might rebrand, rebadge themselves. And that's all that's going to happen. Our politicians will... In fact, they're already doing it. They're starting with the origin of the virus. Several of them are already stepping back and going, you know, it, it may have I, come from a lab. I think there's a bigger reason behind that, but we'll get into that at another time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but there'll be things like this. You've got some politicians already saying, no, no, we must open. We must do this. We must do that. And yet they'd voted with the government on the implementation of all the restrictions prior to that. Um, so. People are already re- rebranding, reinventing themselves, and they will come out the other side of this still in positions of power. Yet they are the very traitors to their people that they were in the first place. But they'll, they'll get, a lot of them will get away with it. You can be sure of it.
0: You talked about super spreader events. You said, oh, well, we'll get to three, two, three weeks past this and, and there'll be a super spreader event. Where's the media on the super spreader events of the one million plus people in London for the protests a month and a half ago, a couple of weeks ago? They're calling for another one on Monday, this coming Monday, 10 a.m., number 10 Downing Street. They want as many people as possible out there in front of number 10 protesting. And on June 4th, or excuse me, uh, June 26th, I believe it is. I could be wrong. On that date whatever the last saturday of the month is they're calling for another million plus in london again regardless of
1: open or closed well they they can't report on it as a super spreader um until the hospitals are inundated and the hospitals are not inundated so therefore therefore they won't they won't um report on it because it gives um momentum to the to the whole protest against the restrictions movement, so it's it's being kind of denoticed and unless they go around with a an aerosol suitcase spraying viral particles around and deliberately infecting some people wouldn't there will no nor would i but it it there won't be the uplift in in the number of cases as you've said many times if you stop testing, you stop getting cases because what what will happen? Oh, the communal garden flu bug will come back, and people will get flu instead of coronavirus.
0: I want to get to uh, one of these uh, celebrity doctors on Good Morning Britain. I I don't know. Uh, Hillary uh, Jones is that? I think that's that's the person's name. I'm not entirely sure.
1: Yeah, Doctor Hillary. Oh, aren't I terribly good looking, Jones? Yeah. Um, okay. Do you know Hillary is a is is one of those unisex names? Yeah, but me it's still a girl's name and yeah. the only reason Hillary Jones is, is on television is because a, by some common standard he he's apparently quite good looking so he was a bit of eye candy on the early morning daytime television shows for all the bored housewives uh-huh. to um, to watch obviously nowadays there's, there's a lot more people watch daytime telly because they've all been stuck in their houses so yeah I don't rate him he's Obviously, part of the establishment because he is just preaching this message about get vaccinated, do this. And uh, are we opening up too early? I believe he's also been saying.
6: Yeah, let's hear what he's got to say about it. Full question uh, back to you. And that is, why would we ease restrictions when things are getting worse? Does that make any sense to anybody? But
5: are they getting worse yes, they are. worse in the sense yes. that more people aren't going to hospital
6: well, we have more cases. The week before last, but if the cases we don't had,
5: lead to hospitalisation.
6: Well, we are seeing hospitalizations. We may not be seeing so many. We're not seeing that big peak no. in hospitalizations and deaths. But we're still having uh, our NH staff work extremely hard to keep hospitalizations down and to keep people from dying. Uh, ICU units are, are pretty busy again, and some experts are saying that we're already in a third wave. So, so my question is, why would we ease restrictions right now when things are getting worse? When we've got a new variant. which is causing huge problems in India, but big problems here as well.
2: Okay, so the corollary then, Dr Hillary, is how long does this go on for? Because if we're going to continue to have infections and we're going to continue to have new variants and the vaccines don't mean that we get our freedoms back, how long does this continue for? Well, it it.
6: continues for as long as it takes, really. I mean, we have to get things under control because we think about all the staff that are working, uh, you know... uh, so hard in NHS hospitals across the country and many are suffering from burnout, <laughs> taking personal risks, wearing PPE for many, many hours a day. Think about all the people suffering from cancer who can't get mm-hmm. treatment, all the people with heart disease who can't get treatment. Until we get this under control, um, then we are going to what have problems think, going yeah, forward. What do you so think we're under live control it. looks like? It means living with this. It means vaccinating yeah. the entire population and having booster doses. It means continuing with social distancing distancing for the time being with mask wearing and hand sanitizing and being cautious. Because if we're not, we're going back to another uh, wave. We're going to see more variants. We're going mm-hmm. to see more hospitalizations. But Hillary, it's
5: going to be months and months before the entire country is vaccinated. Yes, suggesting- it is.
0: Yeah, it, more of the same is, is all he's saying. Let's just continue on with everything that hasn't worked up to this point.
2: Let's just keep with
0: it. Bruce, you look like you're ready to jump in there. Go ahead.
2: His, his argument there is completely... The, the uh, medical teams, the emergency workers, whatever the hell, and the uh, cancer patients and all the other patients that weren't able to get treatments, it's your fault. You're the ones that told them they can't have the treatments because we have to open everything up for the cases that don't exist for COVID. So the, the basically, they've created the problem again, and now the solution is, well, you're going to have to uh, succumb to our subjugation.
0: A lot of the uh, the legal people at this point uh, that are working with uh, with Dr. Reiner Froelmisch, uh who's working with the, uh, the German and American uh, legal team to uh, put together Nuremberg, 2. And we're going to talk about that here in just a few minutes. That's one of their arguments that his team are running into that they're dealing with. Uh, a lot of the stuff is the fact that the doctors that they've collaborated with, not just on the European side, but also on the American and the Canadian side, are saying the problem here is exactly what you just said the problem is is if they would have just done nothing if the governments would have just done nothing then everything would have been fine by uh, april 13th everything would have been fine nothing up to this point would have taken place because everything would have just worked itself through yes you would have had people catch it you'd have lost people to it but the fact is is that the people would have been exposed to it you don't lock a society down if you're trying to reach herd immunity of course now they've what have they done they've changed the definition of herd immunity now they say well, you need 70% of the, uh, the population vaccinated in order to reach herd immunity. They don't have 70% of the populations vaccinated. They don't have that many dumbass people out there that are taking it. They've already picked all the low hanging fruit. So now they're running into a, a situation where what are they doing? They're doubling down. Oh no, we can't just get herd immunity. We can't just get seventy percent of the population's vaccinated to reach herd immunity. Now we have to vaccinate every single person and the entire world by twenty twenty two.
1: Yeah, I'm wondering what angle Hillary got his, his bribe on, whether he got offered shares in a hand sanitizer company or if he's got, you know, shares in, in Pfizer or AstraZeneca or something like that. Toilet paper, yeah, again. Yeah. I, I imagine. But I've got nothing serious to say about the man. He he's lost his looks now. He's gone completely grey, as a, as have I, for that matter. But um, yeah, he's no longer the dark-haired, dashing Doctor Kildare Did type. Didn't I see you on? Didn't I see you on Britain's Got Talent last week? Uh, I don't watch that trash. But no, I, I only right. will watch the, the, I the funny I swore I saw you up there. Mad. I could have swore I saw you up there being judged by Simon Cowell. <laughs> well, i wonder what size chest his trousers are um <laughs> have, you, have you seen have you seen simon with his high high waistband but no i've got nothing serious to say on 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 dr hillary jones uh, but i will say this what was john wayne's real name uh the duke no no do, do you not know seriously you're a man who no, knows I, everything i
0: honest i honestly do not know i not <laughs> No, I honestly John not Wayne's
1: know. real name was Marion. That was his real name. Oh, yeah, that's right. Now that you mention it, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But at least he had the, the common sense and decency to change his girly name into a male name like John. Hillary Jones. Yeah, I'm sorry, but that would be by depole. As soon as I was old enough, I would change my name. Anyway, moving on. How do you move on from that? I don't know. I'm just being flippant. I, I'm trying to cheer myself up by being... A bit unkind and a bit of a bitch. Okay. Yeah, but you're well, not wrong, I, though. <laughs> it, no, you're not. You're not wrong at all. I want to get to something called some light at the end of the tunnel. What I've heard that's been referred to as light at the end of the tunnel. And that is... Are you sure? Hang on. Hang on. Are you sure it's a light at the end of the tunnel? Because quite often, these lights at the end of the tunnels are an express train coming the other way. I honestly think that this um,
0: this one is... Well it, it's good because I understand uh, what these people are up against and I understand what's at stake here. Now you're throwing this at the legal system and I can understand the uh, you know the problems there. So I posted a couple of uh, interviews up on uh, up on our telegram channel and it is of the person who is leading this charge and that is German lawyer Dr. Reinhard Fumisch and he is uh, putting together what he calls Nuremberg 2. Uh, with his legal team, he's already got thousands of doctors and scientists and and hundreds of lawyers from around the world signed up, ready to go, and they're they're litigating now, putting all of this together. Like I said, I put a couple of interviews up. He was on Steve Bannon's podcast yesterday. There, the the two videos are, of the interview are up there on our Telegram channel. I would highly recommend people go and give those a watch. The work that's that this man is doing is nothing short of, uh, it's incredible. Now, some people say that he's got political ambitions, uh, he's got his own political party, and he's looking to get into politics. Quite frankly, if that's what he wants to do, that's none of my concern. I really don't care about that. I understand people's concern behind it, because quite frankly, we've been arguing here for the better part of almost four years now that political parties are not the solution. They're part of the problem. We need independent people in there arguing ideas, and we need to be basing our decisions as civilized people on people that are representing our ideas and not political parties. So whether or not this guy and his team have uh, political ambitions is it, really not a concern to me. My concern is the legal work that he and his team are putting together. So the question is, is what warrants a trial like this? What, what warrants putting together a case like this? And quite frankly, everything that they're doing is based on a violation of the Nuremberg Code. Now, what is the Nuremberg Code? That is what we tried the Nazis under, was that. That's what the Nuremberg trials were all about.
1: So, yeah, Nuremberg, the Nuremberg Code was the code under which the Nazi war criminals were tried. And I think one of the edicts of that code was about forced medical experimentation. And so, If our current governments are prepared to break that code by conducting medical experimentation under the guise of vaccination, what makes you think that the good doctor has any chance? And I don't want to be so negative, but what makes you think he's got any real chance of making this case stick?
0: Well, I think everything is as far as he uh, described it, everything that they're doing uh, is centered around the false testing, the fake testing, the uh, the PCR test. Now, the original testing method, the original PCR testing that was developed by a person named Kerry Mullis, that is not the PCR test he's talking about. I, up until this point, thought that that's the test he was talking about. There was another test that was devised And this is the testing method that they've been using. It's called the Drosten PCR test. And that is a test that was put out very early on. And that's what the World Health Organization in the early days said would be considered the new standard of virus detection, the new gold standard of virus detection. And so his argument is... No testing, no cases, no pandemic. We don't have an actual coronavirus pandemic. And I'm just referencing his work and his interviews. He says the real pandemic is the testing. And as I was talking to you last week, Marty, I said, testing's the linchpin. Everything about this this test is, or excuse me, everything about this <clears throat> pandemic is based around this testing. Well, they're doing all this testing everywhere. Well, if you're going to continue to do that, then the way that they do these tests, the way that they cycle them or spin them, what, whatever you want to call it. They can make these things say anything they want. That's the beauty of them. You locked down the entire country of Germany because you said cases were out of control, but everyone's at home and isolated away from each other. And yet the cases are off the charts. Why? It's because of how they've had the tests set. The tests were set at 45 cycles in Germany. That was the highest in the world. Places like uh, China, they dialed them down to 20, 25. Well, when you get to that level, it doesn't show anything. So it's as simple as what they're doing now. They're saying, oh, well, the case numbers are falling everywhere here. Well, the reason they're falling is because you dial the test down. They'll open up for a little bit. They'll keep a few restrictions in place. Cold weather starts to hit again. As soon as you get that cold snap, people are going to start to get sick again. Oh my goodness, look at all these cases. That's all they're going to do. So that's his argument. And, And the idea is it's not about keeping you healthy. It's about making you take a shot. That's what it's always been about. Now, according to the research that we've looked at, Now, if you go back to the, uh, and both of you have looked at that research paper, and that is the study that was done in 2003 by the bioresearch facility in Galveston, Texas, University of Texas. And that is when they tried to develop a SARS coronavirus vaccine back in 2003. See, they've already tried this. What they found was the test subjects, the animal test subjects that they had, they all died. But it was only upon challenge of another SARS virus. If you've got a virus out there that's bouncing around all over the place very transmissible. It's been given this great gain of function. And you've been vaccinated against this thing that causes your body, according to Dr. Michael Yaden, if your body is shedding this spike protein, when your body comes in contact with another virus that you've been vaccinated against with this new mRNA technology, according to that study, they know what's going to happen. You want to say something, Marty, before I get to this, uh, this report that was put out?
1: No, other than the pictures in the report that you're talking about, show the the damaged lung tissue of um, several of the animal test cases and it's destroyed. It's destroyed by a cytokine storm because the immune system had been prepared to give such an intense reaction to any other type of coronavirus. And you remember when we were talking with GP, that was the, the question I had for him. Have you challenged... I assumed that they would give people whatever they were they were doing and then they would be challenged with another virus to see how they reacted to it and he couldn't answer at that time it was too early uh, I haven't heard anything yeah it was too early but yeah sorry you're gonna go on Dr. Yaden is uh, theorizing along with many others that
0: this is going to start causing some serious problems uh, up to two years out so that would uh, that would line up with with about what we saw because in humans that takes a little bit longer Animal testings as they were doing, as far as uh, vaccinations, and then challenged against the same virus that they were vaccinated against, using that spike protein. Within about sixty days, uh, they they experienced immunopathology. That was it, uh, which is uh, which is death. Now, I'm not saying. That And quite frankly, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist or anything like that. I'm just looking at research papers. That's all I'm doing. And I'm listening to other people that are well qualified in those areas. I'm not saying that everybody that comes in contact with this is going to suffer a fatal outcome, but one thing that all of the doctors such as, and scientists, such as Dr. Yaden and a few others, the, um, uh, the virologist that won the Nobel Peace Prize uh, and a couple of others, they all seem to be of a consensus that this is going to cause fatalities in people, uh, when they come in contact. Now, one thing that they're not all agreed on is when, so they're, they're not at a consensus as to when that's going to happen. Some are saying 46 weeks, some are saying, uh, six, uh, six months, some are saying a year, 18 months, two years. That's what a lot are saying. But the bigger question here is the fact that these governments, and and we already know that what they're doing is illegal, but I want, I want to go to this report. Now I've heard a lot of people talk about, um, uh, the work over at uh, at uh, Alex Jones's outfit, the guy's hyperbolic and and all the rest of it. You know, I can understand that to an extent. But he has a team of guys over there and uh, he has a, a team of investigators and investigative reporters over there that do some decent work. And this is put out by one of his investigative journalists uh, working on things. And he outlines pretty well. And we put this up on our Telegram the other day. Uh, he outlines what uh, Dr. Fullmish and his team are doing very well. And I wanted to play that here. Now, it is about five minutes long,
3: but it's worth it because he outlines exactly what the case is built on. Dr. Reiner Fulmick is the public front man for an international team comprised of hundreds of lawyers and medical experts who have begun legal proceedings over the CDC, the WHO and the Davos Group for committing crimes against humanity. The protocol for the PCR test given by the WHO and the CDC was knowingly set to a level that guaranteed 100% false positives or false negatives. So there is no pandemic. This is all about getting people to take the shot. Their argument is that we are at the very least being subjected to an illegal experiment. And at the worst, global genocide. Dr. Fulmack points out how the experimental jab is in clear violation of all 10 of the Nuremberg Codes which carry the penalty of death for those who violate them. Number one, voluntary consent is absolutely essential. There should be no intervention or any element of force, fraud, deceit, duress, or any form of constraint or coercion. By definition, a vaccine must provide immunity to the virus, protect recipients from getting the virus, reduce deaths, infections, circulation, and transmission of the virus. We are told the experimental jab does none of these, yet they fraudulently call it a vaccine. As far as duress, constraint, and coercion, it's everywhere. If you want your life back, get the shot. Number two, the experiment should be such as to yield fruitful results unprocurable by other methods. The most fruitful method would be a healthy immune system which can be achieved through good health and natural supplements such as vitamin D, vitamin C, and zinc. But the people are not being told this. In fact, those who point it out are being vilified and silenced. Number three, the experiment should be designed and based on the results of animal experimentation. This experimental jab skipped animal testing. Number four, the experiment should be so conducted as to avoid all unnecessary physical and mental suffering and injury. According to official reports, there are already thousands of deaths and over a quarter million injuries from this experiment. Number five, no experiment should be conducted where there is an a priori reason to believe that death or disabling injury will occur. Past trials have shown a strong possibility that these new spike proteins will cause a body to attack itself. This is known as antibody dependent enhancement or ADE. And recent doctors have blown the whistle that this could end up killing everybody who's been vaccinated in the next two years. Number six, the risk should never exceed the benefit. COVID-19 has a 98 to 99% survival rate less deadly than the seasonal flu. The experimental jab is already the most dangerous vaccine in Vayer's 30-year history. Number seven, proper preparations should be made and adequate facilities provided to protect the experimental subject against even remote possibilities of injury, disability, or death. There were no preparations made. There are no facilities. The subject shows up for their shot and goes home. Number eight, the experiment should be conducted only by scientifically qualified persons. This experiment has been exclusively run by politicians, the media, celebrities, and big pharma bureaucrats. Number nine, the subject should be at liberty to bring the experiment to an end. Thousands of medical experts have attempted to end this madness, and their voices continue to be silenced. Number 10, The experiment must be brought to an end if resulting in injury or death. And yet, the experiment pushes on. Once again, those who violate these international laws are subject to the death penalty. Legal proceedings are moving forward and evidence is being collected. Whistleblowers are directed to contact the international team at www.securewhistleblower.com. This is likely the biggest crime ever committed against the world population. And the question is, do we still have a judicial system to exact justice? For InfoWars.com, this
1: is Greg Reese. I'm so glad he identified himself at the end of that because yeah. I'm, I'm getting tired of clicking on videos only to find a robotic synthetic voice delivering it. And I immediately stop watching them. Because throughout that video, I don't know if it's just my connection here on this this tiny uh, island of mine, but it sounded a bit robotic and distorted. Did it sound that way to you? No, I think it was your no. connection. It's just my connection. Yeah, so yeah. there's who's stated his name and the agency he's working for, and he said those things, and, and that's great. But he, he asked the same question that I asked, which is, have we got any kind of judicial system that can actually try this this case properly and i I think the answer at the moment is no i have to agree there yeah at the moment but someone at least is doing something and you know we all have to do something in some small way because a lot of small things add up to a great big thing and and that's what we need to do particularly here in the uk come freedom day People need to fully exercise those freedoms and never give them up again. Never. Well, that also implies that you're actually going to get them back. Well, if, if we don't get them back, then there's a, a line in the sand that's the day to take them back.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, I... Uh, I've, I've, go ahead. Sorry. No, I, I was actually, I was just going to say, I, I agree that uh, there is not a legal system in order to uh, to carry this out. That's my uh, that's my issue. However, uh, he did state, Dr. Fulmish did state, that at the very least, as the case was growing in the early days, as he was announcing last year, at the scope at which that this case is going to be, new courts will have to be formed in order to address this.
1: Yeah, um, the other thing that concerns me is the, the level to which the general populace in Western society, has been dumbed down. They're not going to understand what Nuremberg One was. The level of education, particularly in, the, in terms of history, people just didn't bother with history. That's one of the subjects they dropped as soon as they could because um, they saw no purpose to it. Well, history teaches us how to analyse, analyse a situation, look at a set of circumstances, gather data, and say what happened then. And when we see the same set of um, of criteria again we can assume that something similar is going to happen but yeah there's people walking around today in their 30s who think Mengele is some kind of pro wrestler's name because it sounds a bit like Mengele and we we need to educate people about what Nuremberg was really all about why it was necessary why those 10 elements of the code mean something and, and I think if 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 of just a a few more people, watch that clip, and then we'll have, we'll have done some good. Um, yeah, sorry, Johnny. How, how do you want to tie this up?
0: To be honest with you, i i don't really uh, I don't really have any kind of a fancy ending or anything. I, I just wanted to I wanted to kind of end on on that topic right there because it kind of goes along with what you were saying. I look at that as exactly what the good doctor says: it's a light at the end of the tunnel. You do have a lot of people that have joined that legal team, a lot of whistleblowers, a lot of scientists, doctors, uh, legal professionals from all around the world that have joined that. So that, at least to me, shows that this system and that goes for not just the legal system, but also the scientific community and the medical community that has been absolutely obliterated by these these uh, political ideologues. It shows me that the system is not that far gone. It's just gone at the top levels of people that we see every day. So I do see hope in the system, or at least, at the very least, I see hope in a new system that can be formed on the other side of it.
1: What we need to do is support those, those people, those whistleblowers, because they are medical healthcare professionals, scientists, lawyers, all kinds of, of doctor, whether it's philosophy or, or medical doctors. I know I've said it before on podcasts, in a country that experiences civil war and insurgency, The first people to leave are the middle classes, the professionals, the very people who are needed to rebuild that society when the fighting is over. And the situation we've got now is a lot of the people who know for a fact that things are are not right and that we are having a crime committed against us have just gone silent because they've got nowhere to run to. They've got no safe haven they've got no welcoming country to to go to and that's what this group needs to do they need to develop an atmosphere and create and i'm gonna sound like a snowflake now but create a safe place for people who do know the truth and are willing to speak out about it for them to go to if they could do something like that if they had a uh, you know a, a billionaire in their pocket who could provide that kind of security for whistleblowers, it might gain the momentum it needs. I'm going to kind of go back to uh, an analogy I used. I
2: think it was yesterday. I don't know that we're seeing a light at the end of the tunnel. What I think is going on is we're seeing cracks in the tunnel. And one of two things are going to happen. Either the tunnel is going to collapse and we're going to get stuck or we're going to get out. And that's, that's what I'm seeing with these uh, little... Things that are popping up like this, I don't, I don't necessarily think it's a light at the end of the tunnel. The tunnel's been designed and engineered for, well, us. Like it, it's been, it's like a, it's like a, a, a you know, a guinea pig um, or a rat maze or whatever you want to, whatever mm-hmm. you want to use there. It, it, it's this is engineered for us in the sense of um, we're in a trap. Whether or not we're going to get out of it is going to depend on how we react here with this kind of information that we're seeing, um, uh, the the other informations, the other freedoms they're taking from us, um, depending on how we react here, those cracks we're we're, we're seeing are either going to cause a collapse and we're gonna get stuck in this digital dark age or we're gonna climb out and we're gonna have some of the greatest freedom that the world has seen. I mean, the technologies that we have coming forward uh, or or coming in the near future uh, going forward are pretty amazing Mm -hmm. stuff. And if we can remain free when those come out, our freedoms will explode. Yeah. But if we don't get out of it, that the, the the reverse
0: is also very true. It is. And I've said it before when it comes to these uh, these elites and these, uh, these corporations that they've got in their pockets and the way that they're behaving and the way that they're acting. Uh, I've said it before, and it still rings true. And I believe it 110%. They're not the future. They're the past. We're out of time. So we are going to have to go. But thank you guys for being here today. It's been absolutely fantastic. So, for those of you who have not signed up to our Telegram channel, get over there, get signed up to us. We put out all of our podcasts we do here every day. And we also put out an exclusive podcast once a week just to our Telegram subscribers, which Bruce and I will be on tomorrow. Also, if you'd like to reach out to us, you could do so anytime by dropping us an email at tipsadynamicindependence.com. And we would ask you to pass this along to friends, family, and known associates. We are trying to grow, but we do need your help in order to do that. So, if you could pass us along, we would appreciate that. We are available everywhere you get your podcast. Also, if you're a rating podcast, if you give us a rating when you get a chance, we would appreciate that as well. Five stars would be a plus. Thank you very much. All right, that'll do it for today i want to thank you guys for being here it's good to sit down with you as always marty thank you to all the listeners we will see those of you signed up to us on telegram we will see you on the exclusive tomorrow for those of you who are not have a great weekend and we will see you on monday Goodbye,
1: everybody